Well, we're live with Mike on this edition of the bullpen to talk about the Texans. Let's do it. I'm James Roy, and with me is Tom and also Mike of Mike's Book Reviews. Mike, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I was just I was enjoying the highlights there. You know how good of a season it was when I can see every highlight, know exactly what game it was. That was a that's good stuff. It's good stuff in there. No, yeah, it's a memorable year. Tom, how are you doing? I'm with Mike. I'm over there watching that for the first time, going, "Wow, what a great intro!" Like, props to you, James. That was awesome. No, yeah, I had the idea today. I, I I thought up the Apollo 11 takeoff, and I was like, what better thing to watch while waiting for a live stream to start, right? Yeah, usually so, I hear that associated with the Rockets, but I think it works with anything. Houston sports, right? It's funny Space because City. the Texans are the only not space-themed team. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> I, always thought, I always thought the Apollos would have been a cool name, knowing that, like, in hindsight, that that was one of the options. But, I, I mean, I like the name the Texans. I, I do like it a lot. What's um, going on me? Yeah. Yeah, over the years. Over 20 years, you'd think. Yeah, <laughs> um, took a bit. Took but, a bit. Now they're going to change the logo, apparently, so we'll see. We'll see. What? Well, uh, they're changing the unis. I guess they said that the logo is going to stay the same, right? But they're going to be changing the uniform colors? So Drew Doherty said that they're going to have four new uniforms. One of them is going to have, or one or two of them is going to have some shade of H-Town Blue in it, and the logo staying the same. So I, we've gotten minor details, but we'll find out more yeah, that was my guess. Was be some of that some of that oiler blue in there somewhere. I figured they were probably going to do that. Yeah. I was honestly a little hesitant for it. It wasn't my as a younger Texans fan. I wasn't thinking like, oh yeah, let's get some H Town blue in there, just because all of the teams that I've associated with Houston for most of my life don't wear it. Um, I'm not like against it, but it was. I was if I had to choose, I wasn't going to include it personally. I I didn't move here till '93, so. That's when the Oilers were on their way out, so I'm not beholden to them. But I do like the colors; they are clean. They're clean. As a guy that grew up with the Oilers, that that lived through the the, 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 the Buffalo comeback, <laughs> I'm I'm glad to see it. I, I mean, I was afraid they were going to change the the logo and do some weird thing with like horns, and I didn't like that. I've seen so many renderings where they've done that. Uh, as long as they don't mess with the red, we got to keep the red. Yeah, I love those I'm, red helmets. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, looks like a candy apple or something. It's love the red. Um, I personally, I, I agree with Tom that I've not seen a good concept with the helmets, mm-hmm. but I think that if the helmets had horns and they looked good, I'm all, I'm open to it. Um, but I think they're just going to keep the logo on the helmet. I don't know. I don't see any reason to change it. Um, I would tell you, well, we played, uh, we played Tennessee and they were wearing the Oilers uniforms though. I was definitely, I was definitely paying attention then though. And I'm, I said, I'm not even beholden to it, but I wanted to win that game bad. <laughs> you know? I think the uniforms like. In the, I hate to say this because Tennessee was wearing them and it wasn't Houston, but I thought the uniforms looked really good in this modern take. I felt like uh, Nike's done a, a good job of making the colors like pop a little more in the, in the one that they put out for Tennessee this year. So. But I that you know bringing up you moving to Houston in '93 it leads me into my first question, which sure. is I'd like to, just a brief rundown of like how you came to your Texans fandom and like you know. How that came about? Oh, uh, well, uh, family. Uh, mom moved out here. Sister had cancer, so she wanted to be closer to family. So moved here in 93, and I'm from Atlanta. So I was still doing that thing where I was like, okay, I'm going to cheer for Atlanta teams and Houston teams. Uh, if you know the history of these two cities, it's not very good teams to cheer for usually. <laughs> you know, especially when it seemed like the Astros and the Braves were playing every year. That always made it really, really bad. Uh, and in that 2021 more series, I still don't want to talk about it. But, uh, yeah, I finally made the break to being just uh, just a Texans fan when they got the team. And it was like, okay, forget that. I still follow the Braves for a while, but uh, I know that that's just making some people cringe probably hearing that. But when Chipper Jones retired, I said, okay, I'm full on Astros. And right when I joined the Astros, they lost 100 games for three straight years. You can't call me bandwagon. They you know, but yeah, been with the, been with the Texans since the beginning. I won't lie. Bill O'Brien kind of chased me off there where I didn't even want to watch football for a couple of years. I was so... I mean, we were still kind of winning, and I wasn't even watching because I was just so sick of Bill O'Brien. Like he just made, And it wasn't just Texans. I didn't want to watch football. Which you know anything about me? That's amazing that you can do that. So 
I've been there through the good and the bad. I've had some really, really low times. But the second that we hired D'Amico, I was like, okay, this is going to be different this time. I can just feel it. And you could. I mean, the second he walked in the building, just felt like a different energy. And so today's great. It's the one-year anniversary of, uh, you know, we've been a big boy franchise for a full 365 days now. What a time to be alive. What a time to be a Texans fan. I told my kids, I was like, you guys are just now getting into this. You don't know what all the pain's going to be. You you think of the Houston teams as like winning championships and stuff and having good quarterback play. You guys don't even know. And I don't want them to. Yeah, just that's what, that's what I think of when I see like the Lions. For a second, I thought the Lions were going to make the Super Bowl. And if the Lions had gone to the Super Bowl and won it this year, I can imagine like all these Lions fans that are like really never gonna know. Like, yeah. you don't even know what the bad line you don't know what the essence of being a Lions fan <laughs> is. It's like after the Astros won, people like wanted a blood test to prove how long you've been a fan. I was like, well, let's just enjoy it, guys. I mean, you want more people to watch, right? You know, but uh, yeah, let me ask you this, James. Would you rather have uh, been competitive like the would you rather us get stomped like we did against Baltimore, or would you rather us lost a heartbreaker like the Lions did? Oh, I'll take it the way that it happened. <laughs> man, I'll tell you, I got over it a lot quicker because it wasn't close. Yeah. Um, it like wasn't close the whole game, time. I'd still be calling in sick to work right now if that had happened during that, like that Lions game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd be – now, if it was close, that's one thing. I'd probably be able to, to make it through. Now, if it had gone down exactly like the Lions and D'Amico had you know not taken two field goals oh. mm. and then we lost by three points on a last-second drive, I'd be mm. furious. I I would be inconsolable for months. Yeah. I don't know how I would live knowing that that was the case. And and I feel for Lions fans. That's just miserable way to go. Miserable way to go. But in, in the same vein, since we're talking about your early fandom, before we kind of get into what's going on with the Texans right now, um, who's your favorite player all time for the Texans? All time football player? Oh gosh. You know, I should have an automatic answer to this. I did grow up in Atlanta, so it was it was Deion Sanders for a long time. Uh, I mean, because he was like the two-sport guy. You know, he basically owned the city of Atlanta for a long time. Uh, but, you know, since then, uh, I've really just been a team guy. I mean, I was a J.J. Watt fan like everybody else. Big-time Brian Cushing fan for a long time there. Even when he kept getting in trouble, I was one of those who kept making excuses for him. It was a, it was a, it was a something. He was eating something that made him fail that test. You know, I was a big old apologist for things like that. But uh, I mean, like this food. I mean, right now it'd be hard not to say C.J. Stroud after one year, right? Just because I felt like I was, it was me on an island during the draft process saying the C.J. Stroud's got to be the guy that we take because I watch. I am still a University of Georgia fan, and I was watching that game, and I almost turned around and started cheering for Ohio State because of how awesome he was in that. And that's why I was so mad when we blew the number one pick because I said I wanted us to take C.J. Stroud. <laughs> you know, so it worked out in hindsight. But uh, yeah, it's it's one year you don't want to get too excited, but it'd be hard not to say that now. I mean, that's my my kids had no interest in football until this year, and it's because of C.J. Stroud. So yeah, that's what it takes. That's what it takes. I mean, one of the things that really got me started in my young fandom was like when the Texans, you know, made the playoffs for those 2011, 2012 teams. Like I was already a fan, but like I think it became more than just a fandom when the Texans started to get good. I mean, I realized how bad it was getting. There was a point, I want to say it was 09, like the season that the Texans missed the playoffs because the Jets threw that game against the Bengals, where the Texans were, they were good. We we all knew that they were playing good football. And, and I went into my room in tears when we lost to the Titans one time because I was like, the Titans are trash. We're a really good team. How are we doing this to ourselves? And Don't so, feel bad about it. I almost did that against Carolina this year. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That was one of those games. I mean, this year saying like I had no expectations and then that game just, yeah. <laughs> no. And yeah, Tom, have you got anything to say? We've been awful quiet over there. I've been listening. You guys have been going. I'm letting y'all go. Uh, no, okay. I talk too much. I, I YouTube, so I talk too much. You know, I'm used to <laughs> filling up space. So. I, I can definitely uh, uh, feel y'all had a good little conversation going. So I'm just going to kick back. I agree with you about, you know, um, Deion Sanders, I would have thought you might have said, you know, Andre Risen or Michael Vick. You know, Michael Vick <laughs> had some years where before he did what he did was, was owned in Atlanta, too. I, I was I was the unpopular opinion that, like, Michael Vick needed to learn how to throw the ball and quit running the ball. So <sighs> when he got you know how to like, stir up hey, a fan base, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> no, like that I said, was not I, what I was thinking when I was watching Mike Vick. 
Well, uh, it, it, like I said, when the Texans came, I pretty much just, you know, I, I would kind of keep an eye over there. Like, I was cheering for them when they lost 28-3. You know, I was cheering for them that year, but I wasn't devastated like I'd been if I had stayed a fan. You know, but uh, I always kept an eye out. But, no, I've been I've been Texans since we got named it where we were getting the team. And I was never a Cowboys fan, so I felt like it was acceptable. So that's, that's a win because the rest of my family's Cowboys fans, and it's been a sad life. For them, my you know, so many life. Cowboys fans and Titans fans who follow the Oilers there, and I'm just like, okay, I I don't I don't get it. I do, but I don't. It's like if the Oilers had con- or if the Oilers had moved to Tennessee and kept being the Oilers, but once they changed to the Titans, I feel like that's a clean break. That's like, yeah. okay, we're over it, done. I but so. I mean, I get the people that rep Oilers gear. That's it's your team. I mean, they left. That's heartbreaking. So you know, keep doing it. Definitely. Um, moving moving into what's happening with the Texans right now. I want to lead off with this question for you. Um, in general, it seems like most Texans fans are happy that Bobby Slowick is staying. Um, all Texans fans are happy Gerard Johnson is staying. I don't know anyone who is not happy about that. Um, there, There is a, a segment of the fan base that is not happy that Bobby Slowick is staying. Where do you fall on that? How do you feel about him getting the money? I think people assume that I want a Bobby Slowick gone because I did say, look, I think that the success this year was more CJ Stroud than Bobby Slowick, but I'm not going to not give him any credit. And I, I sure I'm like everybody else. You complained about NOC. Like after that Carolina game, I was like, this guy sucks. You know, <laughs> let's see Jay Cook. You know, I was like that. And I mean, sure, I had things that like frustrated me, but what I'm a fan of is continuity. And the last thing I want is CJ Stroud to have to learn a whole new scheme. You know, a second after such success. So that continuity is good. He's known Gerard Johnson since he was like a preteen. So I think that's a, been a very, very easy transition for him. So I'm glad that at least one more year, I'm sure Bobby Slowick will get a job next year after he got so much interest during this cycle. Unless he pulls a Ben Johnson and just says he wants to just, you know, he wants to win here. You know, so fingers crossed. But we'll see. I'd love to see it, especially if the offense makes the jump next year. I think there's a lot of tools that maybe we're missing, like, for example, the run game. Yeah, I'd like to see what Slowick can do with a more consistent running game. I say that like a better running game, people are like, well, Devin Singletary average this might not like, but I want it consistent. I want a consistent, you know, a guy who's putting up 80 to 120 yards a game and then seeing, hey, check this out, what we can do on play action now. That would be exciting, right? It would be. It would be reminiscent of Arian Foster, you know, those days. Yeah, anything that can get us away from Tank Dell on end rounds anymore, that would be great. I would, I would like us to not do that anymore. And I just. <laughs> Um, my heart goes out to Tank. That's unfortunate the way that, that all that went down. I think he is easily a pro bowler, easily in, in the discussion to be you know, up there for rookie. He probably has 1,000 yards receiving this year. He doesn't get hurt, and that's impressive. You know? it, was, uh, it, was, it was sad to see him go. Um, but sp- speaking to the Texans' uh, running game needs, is there a specific free agent you're looking at or anyone? Who, or do you think I, it's the running back room? I, at this point, uh, I feel like they need to tweak more with the offensive line than they do the running. Now, look, uh, you can get a Saquon Barkley or something. Sure. Am I going to be mad about that? No, absolutely not. You can get, you know, Henry on the cheap. Sure. I, I would be okay with that. But for me, I feel like the way that Nick Casario operates and hearing what D'Amico said recently about how we're going to build the defensive front and work the way back, I think they're going to spend that free agent money on some help on that defensive line first. I see Nick Casario as more somebody who's going to get a young guy in the draft that can just take a pounding and it's just very fast. That's, that's that's what I think. And I wouldn't see him. I could see him bringing in a vet or something like that, but it's going to be another Singletary type, I think. And I think Casario's showed that he's pretty good at that. I don't think that they're in the place where they have to do the bargain shopping anymore. But I don't think – I mean, look at our clean cap. Aren't you glad that he did that now? Because it would suck if we're like, okay, we're ready to make a run while CJ's cheap. But, hey, we've got this guy on a four-year deal and this guy on a five-year deal, and now we've got all this dead money because we've got to cut somebody. So, I don't know. I feel like I, I trust him enough to churn the roster at this point and uh, and find something. You know, either not really bargains, but maybe some prove-it deals. Some guys like Dalton Schultz who were like, I'm not getting a deal that I thought I was going to get, so let me take a one-year prove-it deal. They know working with C.J. Stroud, they're going to get some good offensive numbers, and they might come here for a year and say, let me see what I can do. and get a bigger contract next year. I think we are that kind of destination now. People want to play for D'Amico. People want to play with CJ, and we'll see what happens. Yeah, Mike, you got any thoughts? I am Mike. Or sorry, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> Mike had all the thoughts. First and foremost, I'd like to apologize to the audience. <laughs> I really, 
I'm the other way. It's, it's interesting that Mike wants to keep the prove it deal, prove it deal thing going. I, I I appreciate, like like he said, absolutely appreciate what Nick Casario was able to do to get the clean cap the way it is and to have the flexibility. But I think it was setting up to shoot your shot, and this would be that shot. So if there is a Saquon or a Josh Jacobs, something like that, where you see what CMC did in in uh, San Francisco, mm. where and I, I know it's not the same because that that's he's a generational talent. CMC, you do it, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, if you can get that kind of talent to just transform your offense into something where there's so many options that teams just can't cover them all, I think you do it. I think if there is a stud edge rusher, I think you do it. I think if there's a stud safety or corner to to really, really solidify that defense because you got all the good young pieces, now you need the, the veterans, the guys that are somewhere in the middle that are ready to take a team like that and, and lead them into like a deep playoff run. I think you do it. And while the, the, the prove-it deals worked to get us to this point, I think to keep doing it, you're, you're kind of like rolling the dice because those really good players are looking for the security and the prove it guys, sometimes they work out, sometimes they don't. I look at a guy like Denzel Perryman. He flashed, but at the same time, I'm not going to miss him. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I definitely think the splash signing is going to come on the defensive side is what I'm saying. I think they'll do the prove it deal on the one. Because I think CJ Stroud's good enough that he's going to probably make good players great. So I think that's what they're thinking because you know D'Amico wants to – he wants to make a monster defense. And I just – I can't help but think of how many games we lost this year because we couldn't hold a lead late. You know, that's why I keep thinking about it. you need those defensive players who are going to be able to get off the field late in the game after C.J. Stroud just giving you a lead, you know, late. So that's 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 kind of where I'm thinking. And, again, just because D'Amico the other day was saying we want to build, you know, the defensive line back, I just feel like that's where they're focused uh, this offseason. I could see them going free agency for D line. I think that on defense in general, like when we look at like linebacker or uh, any of the positions outside of D line, I I'd say they probably go younger because of what D'Amico has shown in terms of developing like Christian Harris and the, the how far he's come. You look and you go, well, maybe we give D'Amico another young linebacker, um, but but go and maybe re-sign Sheldon Rankins if they like what they saw from him, or or find another defensive lineman to uh, shore up the middle. Uh, personally, I mean, I'm I'm of the position that that um, I look at the Bengals and I reference the Bengals a lot when I talk about team building. Tom is is nodding in approval because he knows yeah. that that's the case. Maybe um, we can get DJ Reader back, you know. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, DJ Reader. But looking at their offense and how you know with with the top five pick, they instead of going with an offensive lineman, which was the advisable pick because Joe Burrow was getting sacked and had literally missed most of the previous season because of injury, they went and they picked up Jamar Chase and said, well, Joe Burrow can't get sacked if someone's open. And, you know, so then now their offense is explosive. Now, that tactic worked really great short term, but I think there's some other moves that have to happen in conjunction. But in in, in the short term, with this team showing how how close they were to making that jump in in such a short amount of time, I'm all for it. signs Saquon Barkley at the right price. I think that he's the most explosive offensive player available right now um, when he's at his best. And so, put him next to CJ and and try your best to guarantee that the run game's gonna open things up so that CJ has time to throw. We're not a one dimensional offense, and then. I, I trust that D'Amico, once he's given more pieces, the defense will improve. The run defense already showed drastic improvement. I'm more concerned with defending against the pass. No, that's exciting because think about how many different ways we have to build the team up now. And we have options. It's exciting. So I feel like no matter what method they choose, I'm probably going to be on board with it. You know, I'll think, hey, they probably still need to do this. But again, year one, we had that much success. You know, now it's like now we have expectations. It's kind of wild, right? It is, and and so I guess next question is, is that Nick Casario was much maligned with the fan base throughout his first three years. When you are a GM who has three different head coaches in your first three years GMing, you usually aren't a GM anymore. So I understand where that comes from. Um, a lot of a lot of the um, delayed gratification, if you will, that te- Texans fans got out of his drafting. Um, has been nice. It's been nice to see a lot of that come to fruition. Do you think there's a different mentality this offseason? Do you think that that Texans fans are going to expect more immediate results from what Nick does 
with what he's working with this offseason? I think so because you know everybody was saying they wanted him fired after Derek Stingley got hurt again, and you know now they're talking about how Stingley is like the best cornerback in football, you know, and, and Nick Casario can do no wrong, but there'll always be that one person like yeah, well he drafted Kenyon Green over Kyle Martin or something. Like, yeah, they're always going to have that. I mean, there's always going to be naysayers. Hindsight's always going to be twenty twenty, you know, but. I, I don't. I don't know. I, I feel like there will be expectations now. But I got to tell people, schedule is harder next year, so you know you got to get better. So we'll see. We'll see. I think there could be plenty of uh, prime time action for the Texans. Oh, I said five prime time games. Lock it down. Five. I, I love it. To to get on the Nick Casario thing, I think too many people didn't understand the mess that he inherited and how much oh, he yeah. had to work to get to the point where we are today and even, and even like try to like wade through the muck and see what he could find while, while not, you know, signing guys to contracts that would uh, hinder him from being able to have $70 million of cap space. So a lot of people took that early uh, struggle or that early uh, failure to build a team as, Oh, he doesn't know what he's doing when in actuality he had a plan the whole time and now we're just starting to see it take shape right. and take form. And I think people are like, oh, wait, I kind of why I never that thought the, that he's he's going to leave and go back to New England rumors because I was like, so basically those first two years, he just knew I'm going to take my lumps. It's going to be terrible. We're going to lose a lot. And that's why he just gave out nothing but one-year deals. So I don't even count those. But I was like, so you tell me he just he just waited through all that crap for three years. And now when it's getting good and he has a clean cap, now he's going to leave? No, I never bought it. That sounds like that theory. Have you heard that theory, right, about Bill O'Brien? I don't know if it was ever confirmed or not. I think it was in some documentary on NFL. It's been a minute since I saw it. But there's um, some people believe that Bill O'Brien purposefully tanked the Texans um, in the hope when he heard from Bill Belichick that if Bill Belichick was to retire, that Bill O'Brien would be his successor. So he, like, tanked the Texans in an effort to get fired on purpose in order to go back to New England and then... The Texans, instead of firing him, said, "Oh wow, we love your work. Please be our GM as well." I, do I really Texans don't know. conspiracy theory uh, talk. Let's get into it. I mean, there's so many things <laughs> that Bill O'Brien did, like trading away some of our best players for nothing. I mean, literally peanuts. You got to wonder, like, either was he drunk, or was he trying to get fired? I mean, I have no idea, uh, really. And like so I said, that's, kind of, that's what's just kind of. That and the 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 whole Easterby stuff is just kind of what just made me like I just you got you finally got I mean this is before we knew all the bad stuff about Deshaun before we knew he was a creep it, I was like you finally got your franchise quarterback and he wants to leave because you're choosing to keep the wrong people and it just just really poisoned me but I I don't know if they, but Bill Bill O'Brien I would there's nothing I wouldn't believe I can't believe that guy got the Ohio State job that blows I thought it was an Onion article <laughs> when I saw that I was like no way that's not that's real he actually got that job I was blown away. Well, one minute. So let's talk about this. There's there's a thought process in the fan base. Now we have something from the chat that I'm going to get to in a second on Instagram. Sure. But um, there's this this common phrase thrown around in the fan base, common mentality, which is that Bill O'Brien was not a bad coach. He was just a bad GM, and that that's the reason <laughs> you know that that he was a good coach and a great offensive mind, but he just never got a fair shake because they made him make personnel decisions. How do you feel? about that i don't have anything nice to say about that guy so <laughs> you guys don't want me to cuss i think we should <laughs> I, I don't know what people say oh he was actually a pretty good where, where where was he a good coach where i think right up until the chiefs figured out that they were playing I mean, I against bill o'brien you know that lions right. game made me think about that 24 to nothing game too <laughs> i'm sorry to make you relive that no i i don't know I, I, like i said at that point i was just i was so i was so done with him the, the combination of him and Easterby, I was just so done with it. I just, it, I wouldn't even listen to sports radio anymore. You know, I mean, I wasn't watching, you know, NFL game day anymore. It was just like, I was, I don't even, I, it was a dark time for me. So yeah, Bill O'Brien's come the closest anyone's ever coming to make me forget about my favorite sport in the world. You know, so I, again, I don't have anything nice to say about him as a coach or especially as a GM. Well, um, you may not have believed it then, but there is in fact a light at the end of the tunnel. And it's D'Amico Ryans. Hmm. And believe it or not, Nick Casario as well. There's some people that might not have believed that at the beginning of his time here. But from the chat, 
we have a question, and this is about a specific free agent target for the Texans, so mm-hmm. if you don't know, you don't know. Um, I personally know him because I played IDP Dynasty Fantasy Football, and he was really useful to me two years ago. But um, Xavier McKinney of the Giants, safety, um, what do we think about him? Now, I think the Texans need help at safety, but, I mean. Yeah, I mean, it's not like they could get worse there. So, I mean, I don't know. I don't know enough about him to make a judgment, but I, I'm not going to. If it's a highly sought-after free agent, I, that's a position of need. Sure. What about you, Tom? I think he's one of the top safeties. I just don't know. I don't know if I'm I'm, I'm spending my, my splash there. You know what I mean? Unless it's like in, in Winfield available or, or maybe Patrick Queen, one of those guys. I think that would be somewhere where I'd go, okay, I'm willing to go that route. But Yeah, Baltimore's I'm, got two guys on the defensive front that they can't they can't tag both of them. So Queen right? yeah, one of those two is going to be available. So I mean if you I think really wanna, is the better target for the Texans. Oh sure, sure. You know D'Amico will be drooling to get his hands on that guy. I mean I think that makes Will Anderson a better player. That makes the whole defensive front better, you know, and because he's probably one of the best in the league, but that's gonna be that's gonna be pricey. So that's if like you're going for like one big free agent target. I think that would be the one. I think that it's possible. I wouldn't be mad. I don't. I don't know if it's likely, but it is possible. Oh goodness, what happened? Um, something happened. Oh well. Uh, sorry, Instagram. Uh, <laughs> um, but so I think that it's more likely that they address safety in the draft. Mm. Um, I think that there's there's really four players. If we're looking at to address the secondary that will likely be available at 23 if the Texans don't move, which knowing if we're correlating Nick Casario's history yeah. as a New England Patriot Patriot way guy, and we're looking at the fact that he already made a lot of trades, then I think it's more likely that he trades down from this pick. Patriots in general are not first round pick takers, um, at least not throughout a lot of his time there. But I think they stay at 23. I don't think they move up. I think they might move down. But either way. Um, Tyler Newbin, you know, Carmen Kitchen, some safety prospects, or maybe Kool-Aid McKinstry. And I'm not going to lie, one of the big reasons that I like Kool-Aid McKinstry is, simply put, his name is Kool-Aid. Yeah, you can wear the battle red Kool-Aid shirts. Man, that would be <laughs> awesome, right? Uh, I, here's how you know it was a great year. This is the first time in like a decade I'm not even paying attention to draft yet in January. That's amazing, right? So I, I don't know enough about uh, some of these prospects. Really, for me, I'm like, uh, let's let's wait until free agency, and then I'll look at the draft because I feel like so much is going to change after we see what they do in free agency. When is that? In March? We got like two uh, months still. March 13th is free agency, um, and I mean, Tom will tell you. I I talked about it on the show throughout the time that the Texans were still playing. I was like, I I don't even look at at prospects. Any anything off season can wait until the Texans are in the off season. And so that's why I recently started looking at all this. Nah, stuff. Usually in you know late October, early November, I'm looking at the draft board. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, CJ Stroud's looking awful nice. Yeah, yeah. So oh, one second, let me see. Oh, well, I guess it just ended. Oh well. Um. Anyway, I do have a, a big question for you. I, we kind of talked about it before stream, and I'm going to throw it out there. And Tom, you're more than welcome to answer too, depending on on where your book knowledge is. So Mike is is the Mike's book reviews on YouTube, mm. uh, big following on there. And all of them are wondering, Mike, what are you doing on a Texans podcast? And I, as if he didn't make it clear enough, all his thumbnails with Texans gear should have given it away <laughs> that he is in H town till he drowns. Um, but to, to tie into your, your book reviews, I'd like to know personally, is there a specific book character or is there like a specific series that you've read that kind of reminds you of where the Texans are at or the a character that reminds you of like CJ Stroud and where he's at right now? Huh? Well, I mean, with not knowing where CJ's journey is going, I'm going to hope it's hero's journey. Right. And he's going to take us to the top. Uh, I mean, I feel like any kind of chosen one kind of story would, would kind of fit that, that narrative. Uh, for me, I mean, I mean it's not, let, you know, let's go for the, the, you know, Reach kind of the casuals here. I would say Lord of the Rings. You got the Return of the King. You got D'Amico Ryan's coming back to lead his people, you know, and retake what is his kind of thing. That's I, I kind of like that 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 version of it. And you've got that journey to Mordor. And that thing, to me, Mordor is Baltimore because we are never going to win at Baltimore 
ever. And when until that happens, like it's like back in the day when Michael Jordan had to beat Detroit. I feel like that's us. We've got to beat Baltimore eventually. Because even in 2012, we lost to Baltimore. Have we ever won at Baltimore? No, no. Never. Zero. I think that's why I hate that song Seven Nation Armies because of how bad we played at Baltimore all these years. So yeah, so Mordor is is Baltimore. And uh, hopefully we can get to the, the top with D'Amico leading the way. But I'm hopeful that, that we can do that as well. Tom, do you have any anything to say from a novel perspective? I'm not a book guy. I'm <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm just gonna be honest with you. Uh, as a kid, books were like the worst thing ever. It was like a punishment <laughs> to read books. Uh, magazines all day long, anything longer than a magazine article, and you're probably going to see me passed out. But I love I love the, the Lord of the Rings take. Uh, mm. As someone who has seen the movies, mm. and and I assume they're pretty close in nature, totally totally on board with that. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm not huge into books. If it's a good book, I'll read it. Um, Stephen King's The Stand. Is like one of the longer books that that I've read that yeah. to give you an oh. idea of where I'm at, and I know you're a huge Stephen King guy. Yeah, we've talked about this before in the DMs. Um, but like youth, I read a lot of sports biographies, and um, I don't know if you're familiar with him, but Matt Christopher, I believe his name was, um, wrote like a bunch of sports like fiction books, like The Kid Who Only Hit Homers, and like uh, I want to say I've seen. I think there's an age gap here because I'm pretty sure I've seen one of those in my kids' backpacks. <laughs> so they might still either still be popular. I don't know. Age I, gap than I thought. Yeah. <laughs> I remember reading them briefly and being like really into them, but mm. that was like a very short phase of my life. Um, but if I'm looking, I mean, I don't know. I don't. I don't have an answer to the question either. Which I, I mean, sorry for asking you a question that I didn't have an answer to. But, um, I mean. I will say honestly, I think this is a good time to bring it up. Um, I'm I'm in in the Navy, and, and one of the XOs on my ships is an author, and he oh. wrote a book series that I thought was really good um, about like time travel and stuff. I liked his approach on like time travel, and like I thought the story was really good. Um, yeah, so, the, the big misconception is that oh, if you're a book nerd, you can't like sports, and if you like sports, you can't like books. And I was like varsity baseball and reading you know books in the in the whirlpool after the game it's how it's to me i always felt like you know why do you have to be one or the other kind of thing that's like those people who are like i gotta be marvel or dc or i gotta be playstation or microsoft i don't care about all that if it's good it's good but i understand that books aren't for everyone for me i kind of grew up kind of poor so that was pretty much entertainment for us was was, was going to the library and readings so that's kind of where it started with me but um parents were big big sports fans especially football and uh, I'll always be thankful for, for for kind of opening my eyes at that about like, no, 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 no. This is after church. This is what we do. We watch football. And it just kind of like something I'm glad I'm finally starting to be able to pay, pay down to my kids. Because before I was like, they're even less interested in this than they are in church. You know? <laughs> so, you know, so it's amazing what winning can do, right? It is amazing what winning can do because it makes things more interesting. I, I always look to like to draw a baseball comparison um, growing up. I, I lived in Corpus Christi for a good amount of time. And so if you're familiar with the Astros hierarchy of, yeah, of, of farm teams, you know, the, the hooks are down yeah. in Corpus Christi. And I remember going to that stadium and they had like a kid's area with like a mini baseball field where they like, you could hit wiffle balls around and like growing up, like going to live baseball and like seeing it in person and, and uh, being able to play before the game, like kind of fostered my love for that sport. And so likewise, like my dad, you know, showing me fo football. And then I, when I was ready, when I was at that point, I think I was seven, which was when the Texans became a team. If that lets you into the age gap. <laughs> I was older. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, you said, oh yeah, I moved to Houston in 93. And I was like, no kid moves to Houston in 93 while yeah. living with their parents. That sounds like you said that, like you moved to Houston as an adult. In no, that was 15. I was 15. 15? Oh, Okay. I don't know. The way you said it made me think, oh, he was like a working adult when he. No, 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 no. It, it, it was for family. No, I was still, I was still living at home at the time. <laughs> I'm old, but I'm not that old. At least I, I was going to say, so. I was like, I was like, Mike, you don't look that old. Hey, you know, an argument that I was kind of having with someone today was about what free agents that uh, we should bring back. And the big conversation was uh, Grenard's the free agent, right? Grenard's a free agent. If we should pay to, to bring him back. And I, I had this just a question. It wasn't making any assumptions. Do you feel like D'Amico kind of made him better than he actually is kind of thing? I, I don't know. I don't feel like anyone was like saying, 
Oh my God, Jonathan Grenard's gonna be a free agent next year. We gotta we gotta do an extension now until D'Amico got here. So I don't think the guy's like a miracle worker, but I just I feel like they can get another Jonathan Grenard, you know, without overspending for it. Mike, I just want to thank you for this question. As 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 you may or may not know, me and James are at different ends of the Jonathan Grenard spectrum. Okay. So for you saying that just just warms my heart. And, oh, okay. Let's say whose side are you on? I, I, Tom I, is standing squarely in the way of this being a Jonathan Grenard stand podcast. Absolutely. Um, so I'm going to let well, my free agent that I wanted to bring back is Dalton Schultz. Everybody tells me I'm crazy. So. I, I see both sides of that one, though, but I'll let Tom talk about Jonathan Grenard first before we get too deep. So, Mike, I couldn't agree with you more. I've thought that Grenard was only good when Will Anderson was on the other side. I, mm. I always thought that he needed somebody to make him better. You know, one-on-one, -on -one, he'd have his moments. I don't think he's a bad player, but we we did a pod uh, last week where we had uh, Texans, Texans County, County on. Yeah, uh, and he said that the, the the number, the going rate for John Grenard potentially could be anywhere from sixteen to twenty million. Well, I think it was. Obviously, and I didn't want to pay him ten to twelve. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's elite, you know, premium pass rusher money, and I just can't, I can't get with it. Like, if you're telling me you're going to get him on the cheap, he's still very young, and I think him and Will Anderson obviously complement each other well, but I don't think. Will Anderson needs Jonathan Grenard as much as Jonathan Grenard needs Will Anderson. I, so I'm a huge, uh, before the season started, when people were saying, oh, well, it'll probably be like Jerry Hughes and, and Will Anderson or Jonathan Grenard. I don't know. Like one of those two will start. And I was like, no, it's clearly Will Anderson and Jonathan Grenard. I've always been a huge proponent of Jonathan Grenard as a great option across from Will Anderson. And he, he stepped up and he proved that this year. Now, what I'll say is, is that I, I think D'Amico helped him, but I think that as far as skill goes, like Jonathan Grenard has always been this player. He led the, he's led the teams in sack the team in sacks before this season. He has played at a high level. What has what has held people back from noticing who he is is simply the fact that you know much like great players like you know Saquon Barkley, you know CMC, you know those guys shine when they're on the field, but the fact of the matter is, is that he spent a significant amount of time not on the field. And when you do that, you know, I I, I talked to a lot of Colts fans who are like, well, if Anthony Richardson had played, the, the Texans wouldn't have made the playoffs. And I'm like, okay. we don't know that because the best ability is availability. And CJ only missed two games. How many did Richardson played in three games? He only started like, or he played four. And they love to talk about three. those. Two touchdowns he had against us in week two. They love to talk about that. Like that's, I was going to say the best the he looked was in a quarter and a half against yeah. us. That was it. Quit running the ball, idiot. So <laughs> yeah. So his his place. That's a whole other discussion topic. Yeah, anyway, right. huge Jonathan Grenard fan. Um, I I do agree that the price of more than like sixteen million is excessive. I know you guys think sixteen million is excessive. Um, and from what our conversation with Texans County, you know how that went. It seems like his agent is one of those like uh, I don't I don't want to call it hometown discount guys, but Grenard might be more inclined to take a pay cut to stay in Houston. Well, in that's the case, sure. Based sure. on the situation, this, this makes now. me think of uh, like I don't know. 2013. I think the podcast I had at the time argument was like, how much do you pay Connor Barwin? And I was like, you don't. You can get another Connor Barwin. And then we fell off a cliff. Connor so Barwin. maybe that maybe I was wrong on that, but I, I didn't feel like he was. What he do after he left here? I was like, oh, well, he isn't playing next to you know uh, JJ Watt anymore. Wow, look at that! Look what changes, you know. So I, I don't know. I feel like D'Amico's good enough. He can find this. He can find another Jonathan Bernard. That's how I feel about it. And it doesn't mean I don't like. It. I think he's a great player. I just don't know if he's a sixteen million dollar a year player. At least not here. I I think that we saw this against Cleveland the first time because when CJ Stroud was out in the regular season the only thing we had to fall back on was well Joe Flacco is is a you know a back a 39 year old backup who's thrust into the starting role so we and even when he was a starter early in his career you know he had his moments but Joe Flacco is not like earth altering kind of quarterback you can put pressure on him and so we watched Will Anderson be out we watched Jonathan Grenard play two snaps and then go out um, and, and we watched how, with no pressure, Joe Flacco throws 300 yards to Amari Cooper. That's just what happens. And then we watched when, when Jonathan Grenard came back. So the Texans scored, like, I think two. 
that most of the scoring, or at least a significant portion, was defensive in the wild card game. The defense showed up and played, and part of that was the pass rush. And also, both Grenard and Anderson are not only good pass rushers, they're great edge setters for rush defense. So Deciding to put Stingley on, Amari Cooper was probably pretty smart, too. So That helped. That worked I, out I, and I, <laughs> I spoke to that before. It's a combination of the two. It doesn't have to be one yeah. or the other. but Right. No, no. Flacco, I mean, that's, that's textbook. You get pressure on him, he crumbles. I mean, that's, exactly. that, that's the way it was even in his prime. So, yeah. Again, I, I'm not saying let him walk and don't replace him. I'm saying I think that D'Amico can find another another guy like him, either in the draft or, you know, the six to eight million a year, you know, for half the cost. I feel like. Yeah, I mean, I do this to myself every year. I feel like like and it was especially bad the two years prior to this because the Texans were so bad that the only thing I had to hang on to was like knowing the players <laughs> and having a connection yeah. to them. The yeah. only way I could convince myself to continue watching the team. So I'm like, oh, well, well, I just really so and Grenard's part of that. So like, I'll tell you something. I, I am very much a Moneyball guy, so I have that unique ability to completely remove feelings away from it. And I think it's being a fan of the Rockets during the Daryl Morey era, where you just trade away everybody all the time, kind of got me. We're like, okay, I got to take my feelings out of this, but it, <laughs> it sucks because this this is like maybe the most likable team like we've ever had. I feel like so it's 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 tough, you know, because you're gonna feel like you know some of your. Some of your childhood friends were kind of moving away, especially if you watched during the dark times, and that's all you really had to talk to kind of hold on to. Yeah, I, I bet that, that that is going to be tough. Now, you and final thoughts on Grenard. I mean, like I said, love Grenard. I think they should resign him. I don't know if you replace him with. I think I don't know. I think that's the one position where you could possibly replace him with a lower cost player. But that brings us into the next discussion point, which is you brought up Dalton Schultz and how you think the Texans should resign him. Now, that is a position group where there is I'm, – I'm looking in free agency, and there are people that are saying that you can replace his production for cheaper in free agency. I don't know if that last part of the sentence is true. I think you just get a different tight end who probably produces in a different way. Um, but what what is your – can you make the case for re-signing Dalton Schultz? I Look, everybody's going to bring up, well, he always has like one big drop per game. Yeah, we also probably aren't in the playoffs, so he doesn't make that ridiculous catch for Tino, You know, so I mean, you think about – Everybody always wants to talk about a drop. Yeah, I mean, don't talk about all the great stuff. For me, we talk about continuity with CJ. And him and these wide receivers, like, bonded before they even got on the practice field. I think that matters for something. These guys know each other, and you ain't got to find a much better safety valve, and you don't have to get to know them, you know, already. You feel like you already kind of know each other's tendency. I feel like they're on the same page a lot. Now, do I want to pay stupid money for him? No, but I don't feel like he'll get stupid money. He didn't get stupid money last free agency period. Why would he get it this time? But it was a much weaker tight end class last year. So that, that's how I feel about it. But if it's overpaying, of course, not. I don't want him to overpay for anybody really, but unless it's, you know, a guy that isn't currently on our roster, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if you can bring him back on a good deal. And I feel like Dalton Schultz looks like this. Like I live in Texas. I've got a young quarterback that people think might be the MVP of the league here in the next five years. Why leave? I mean, it's it's not a bad argument. I think that Dalton Schultz has a lot of reasons to want to come back. Um, do I think that? So the biggest discussion point, right, is that they got him for one year for nine million, which is a great deal for the Texans prior to the season, and now it looks kind of like the going rate for him in a given season. So does Dalton want to come back on the same pay? Because he's not going to take a pay cut, I don't think. So he either takes the same pay. I don't know if they're going to give him significant raise. Like that's three years thing. thirty. Would you do it? Four years thirty. Three years thirty. Three so years. He goes 30? up a million. He goes up. He gets he gets a one million dollar raise for each year. Uh, I think I he takes it. Like I said, I feel like he's a lot of players are going to be like, I want to play with CJ Stroud, and I feel like he's going to say, okay, look, I want to get my good payday. I'm not going to take another one year year somewhere else with a lesser quarterback. But I mean, that's gets, the big you know, thing. If he gets yeah, a four-year, $50 million offer, sure, take it, man. Go get your money. Go get paid. I mean, we, we came off of a free agency period for the Rockets where they paid the loser tax for hmm. two players that a lot of right. people did not think were worth the amount of money that was spent to bring them in. Um, so I'm all for this this Texans uh, offseason going in and being like, oh, well, you want to be here? Maybe you give us I don't a want them to discount. cripple themselves, but I definitely feel like, yeah, it's time. It's time to spend some money while CJ's cheap. I'm not saying go for the Super Bowl next year. It'd be nice, but I'm saying oh, I don't, I'm not, I'm not, don't want them to handicap themselves you know, for the next three years because they went all in this year. But I, I definitely think that it's time. It's definitely time. And I, they've got to feel like that too. 
think I feel like – do you really look at the teams that were just played in the AFC Championship and feel like we were that far away from them? I After felt like the score year? of the Baltimore game was was a bit lopsided, and yeah. I think that the first half was more indicative of what the Texans were capable of, Yeah, even with as bad as it went. Mm-hmm. So I, I feel like right now you can't feel like you're that far away. I mean, I still don't feel like anybody's going to beat Mahomes right now. Just unfortunately, that's just the way that it goes. You've got to, to be the man. You got to beat the man, right? I don't feel like we're that far away, really. But that really good free agency period, you got to hit on everybody and a good draft. I think you could do something. No, yeah, Tom. Any thoughts on Dalton Schultz? I love the player. I I would love to see him back with the Texans, but I feel like. Him the same way I feel like John Grenard. Like, I feel like you could go get that somewhere else. One of the big knocks on Dalton Schultz was that he didn't block. And I didn't really see it until somebody called it out. And then I started to look a little bit more. And in that talking about it, yeah. (laughs) In that Baltimore game, you saw him let guys go free to make tackles in the run game that really kind of made the Texans one-dimensional and really kind of spiraled the game out of control. So as much as I love the offensive weapon that he is, it's not good if you're not willing to block in, in, in the run game. So, so I, I'm like the old Kerry Kubiak days and draft just a, a blocking tight end and go two two tight ends. <laughs> um, No, because I think Brevin Jordan, you could throw the ball to. I think he's starting to emerge a little bit. Dude, I had no and idea that guy was that fast. He had that kind of breakaway speed. That's he still came out of away. Miami as a receiving tight end. So I see that clip every time, and I just can't look away. I'm just like, he just like turns on another gear. I had no idea up to that point that he had. It was, it was wild. That linebacker looked like he wanted to track him down, and then all of a sudden realized he chasing, couldn't. <laughs> when someone's chasing, they start getting like the the the, the airplane arms. <laughs> you know, that guy really turned on the afterburner for sure. So yeah. I mean. With, with a guy like Brevin Jordan already in tow on a rookie deal, I think you can go draft somebody that you can develop or you can go pay a lesser guy. I think the name that we brought up in a, in a previous pod was Hunter Henry. You could go get Hunter Henry on the cheap because he played in a horrible system in New England and has horrible numbers and can't command the dollars that Dalton will be able to command going, look, I've done it twice now, once in Dallas and now in Houston – so maybe you do that. And I believe that CJ is one of those quarterbacks that makes everybody better. Like, you think Noah Brown? Anybody was excited about Noah Brown before this year? And look, what, I just think that CJ is that kind of guy. He makes it's Michael Jordan type. He makes everyone around him better, look better than they actually are. So, we'll see. I, I agree. I think that, um, I mean, free agency, it, I'm a little bit more, as much as I like Dalton Schultz, I, I'm not as like gung ho about him. If the Texans let him go, um, my favorite option is is to take that tight end from Texas in the second round, uh, Jatavian Sanders, I believe his name is. Um, I but yeah, I mean I and Mike hit the nail on the head, and I spoke to this at the beginning of the season as CJ was emerging. That there's like three attributes that you want from an elite quarterback: it's pocket presence, the it commands pocket presence, right, and then has elite ball placement. And that third attribute is makes the players around him better. Mm-hmm. And I felt throughout the season at several points that if CJ wasn't playing quarterback, that player that had a game probably wasn't having a game. So, and we saw that we we talked about that when Noah Brown um, dropped a dud against the Jets, and I was like, the true test is going to be when Case Keenum's in. Or we didn't know that um, CJ Stroud was injured at the time, but. His ability to play against the Browns the, the couple weeks from them was going to be huge for how how I perceived him. And, and Noah Brown was a product of C.J. Stroud's talent um, more than anything else. And so I don't even know sure, if they bring him back. Nico had the potential. He just didn't have anybody could throw him the football. But, I mean, I didn't think Nico was this good. So, I mean, no, Nico yeah, got I, me taken out. You even need to go out and pay for a number one guy, you know? So No, yeah. Why would we go get T. Higgins? We have T. Higgins at home. <laughs> Mom said we have T. Higgins at home. Oh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> uh, but I mean, it's an exciting time yeah. to be a Texans fan. There's there's so many great things going on. Mike, I want to thank you for coming on. Of course, um, man. Thanks for doing, it, man. I, I I miss I miss talking about sports. If you can't tell on Twitter, I miss talking about this. So uh, no, yeah, yeah. great. You, you have great takes. I mean, you you go on Twitter, I read your tweets. I'm like, oh wow. I would have I would have guessed when you told me that you hosted a Texans podcast back in the day I was like oh that makes sense yeah yeah it was it was good times but it was just you know it was a lot of dark times you know 
back then. It, it went from me being like, oh, God, I can't wait for the Gary Kubiak era to end to being like, oh, God, can Gary come back? So be careful what you wish for, guys. You know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's the moral of the story. Well, Mike, can you let the people at home know where to find you at? I am on all the socials uh, at Zepp1978, like, like Zeppelin. And, of course, 1978 is the year that my ancient, ancient self was born. Uh, and I obviously, Mike's book reviews on YouTube at like 109,000 subscribers right now. So it gets bigger and bigger. Uh, if you're into sci-fi, fantasy, horror, I feel like that's uh, something that I like to talk about. And a lot of people like to uh, listen to me talk about that. So uh, big-time Stephen King fan. So if you got taste for something like that, I've got lots of content. i got five years' worth of content on the YouTube channel for you. But, uh, yeah, if you just want to hear some sports, uh, Twitter, that's the place That's the place to be. And we just got a comment. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. I just threw okay. it up here. It's a weak tight end class anyway this year and next year. Mm. Um, so I, I haven't paid much attention to it because, like I said, I just, I'm still on the hangover from the season, I think. And I, after the Super Bowl, then I'll kind of – actually look at that stuff myself, but uh, I don't really have like a free agent wish list right now. I just, I'm a defense guy. It's just, it's, it's been so exciting having like an actual quarterback. Finally, you know, you get excited to see the offense now, but yeah, I'm a defense first guy. So that's why I was so excited about the D'Amico hire. Okay. So I want to see what he can do when he gets a, a little bit of new toys to play with. No. Yeah. Well, we'll have to get John again this off season when you have more time to think about it and you have I'm more strong exactly. opinions about it. You always have a forum to talk here, Mike. We, we loved having you on. Um, Are you guys going to live stream the draft and all that kind of stuff? Do you do that? Oh, yeah, that's that's yeah. in the in the works. That's We're fun. working that one out right now. I did that during the first round on like my other channel, and <laughs> like four people were watching because nobody nobody knew about me talking about sports. But yeah, yeah, I, I love doing that stuff. It's fun. No, yeah. All right. Well. Uh, as just content notes, we do now for the off season. We've shifted to mock draft Mondays and free agent Fridays. So if you want to keep up with the latest buzz around those things, and um, if you want to know about live streams, you know about Texans news when it breaks, you know that this is the place to get that on the bullpen. I'm James Roy. I'm at M1 Texans fan on all socials, and that's how you can find the YouTube channel as well. Tom is Third Coast Tom, and uh, that's on X. He's thinking about Instagram. He, do, he doesn't call X Twitter. He calls it X. That's his thing. Um, and, yeah, and he's he calls Instagram actually IG. That's how he refers to it. He, mm. So he's, he's hipping with it. One of the, the more youthful members of the podcast. I like how I don't call them the commanders. I still call them their original name. I still call them, <laughs> no, I still call them Twitter. I, Twitter so. I slipped and did that one time on the podcast. I was like, oh, uh-oh. Travel back in time there for a second. Sorry, I can't go forty years of my life calling them that and then just change. Same with the same with Cleveland baseball team. So it's, yeah, it's, it gets, it's so hard to switch that. So it's not meant as an insult. It's just you know I've done that my whole life. It's hard for me to stop now. So yeah. I am. Well, once again, Mike, thanks for being on today, and uh, to the viewers at home, stay classy, Houston, and vamos Texans. <laughs> Thanks for tuning into The Bullpen, a Texans podcast, part of the Fans First Sports Network. Please like, comment, subscribe, and follow along for more Texans talk from The Bullpen. Pick the hand up. Stroud looking. Stroud.